So good to see all of you. I'm used to looking this way, not this way. Uh, good afternoon, Spark. Uh, it is a thrill to be here. Uh, my name is Tom Arrington. My wife, the in person in charge of slides today, Tammy Arrington. Uh, and we've been going to this church about a year and a half now, and uh, it's been a delight. We've learned uh, so much from the preaching, but also from so many of you in this room, uh, your perspectives on life. And so uh, we're thankful for that. And in many respects, that was an answer to our prayers, and that's why we ended up here. So thank you. Today we are going to continue in our series in Acts titled, How Did We Get Here? We're going to look at Acts 16, and we're going to look at a story where Paul hears from God through a vision. And uh, because he trusts God, he then obeys. He obeyed and did what God asked of him. So Spark Church, how's that going for you? Have you heard God speak to you? Maybe you heard God speak to you when you were reading your Bible, and maybe you sensed that God was nudging you to do something for him. Maybe you heard God speak to you through a friend, where this friend affirmed something that you were considering to do. Maybe a new job, maybe a relocation, or maybe a new relationship. Or maybe this friend was pointing out something going on in your life, a blind spot, and you were doing something that wasn't good for you and wasn't good for others as well. And maybe you've seen God show up and lead you in circumstances, maybe unusual circumstances, like the time 20 years ago today when I was riding my bike and Tammy and I were thinking about what church should we go to? And so I'm riding my bike, and I didn't do that (laughs) that often, but I'm riding my bike, and I'm literally riding it, praying to God, and I rode right by that pastor. Strange, yes. Is it a coincidence? Maybe. But I don't think so. Some of you have heard from God, but the question is, did you then trust him and do what he asked of you? There's an old hymn Tammy and I used to sing in our Baptist church. And it goes like this, and please, please sing with me if you know the song, Kendra, Jen, Abby, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to and obey. That was the first time I've sang in church. That is the last time I sing in church. Trust and obey. This first word is so important, this word trust. I can tell you verse after verse after verse of why we should trust in God. We can look at Jeremiah 17, 7, and it says, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. Or Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. This word trust, the Hebrew, it comes from a Hebrew word called uh, uh, yiptah. And it means to have bold confidence towards something, a place or person where you can put your trust and hope, where you can feel safe and secure. And in this case, for these two verses that we just read, it simply means that we can rely on God. We can trust God to lead us. So that's trust. But it's that other word, 
obey, which is kind of the problem, right? It's not a popular word. It's not a thrilling word. And as I say the word obey, maybe you're thinking, that's for my dog, Tom. (laughs) But get this. Jesus says that obedience is for you and for me. You see, we're told in the Bible to trust God and do everything he says. But here's the thing. I'm not going to trust someone and I'm not going to obey someone unless I'm confident that they care about me and that they're interested in me and that I'll be safe and secure. I imagine it is the same for you. Do you, any of you, do you have a fold-out couch in your home? Or have you ever grown up with a fold-out couch? You know, a couch comes out and there's a mattress and you can sleep on it. Well, when I was younger, my brother convinced me to lay on that mattress and then he folded it up. And I was now inside the couch. Did anyone else do this? One other, two. All right, we got a few people that did that. A little bit crazy. It was actually really fun for the first five minutes. And then I realized that my brother wasn't letting me out. And I became scared. I became quite mad. And do you think I would ever trust my brother and do what he said in the future ever again? No, of course not. You see, building trust It's a process. It takes courage to start the process, to be vulnerable with someone, where you put yourself out there, where you trust that you will not be left hanging, that you won't be embarrassed, that you won't get hurt. And then it takes time. It takes numerous positive experiences with someone where their outcome, that outcome becomes consistent and predictable and where you feel safe and secure. That's how you become comfortable with someone. That's how you learn to trust someone. And I think the same thing is true in our relationship with God. There's a verse in the Bible that used to bother me. It was Matthew 4, verses 18 to 22. And here's what it says. It says, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers... Simon also called Peter and Andrew. They were throwing a net into the water, for they they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. And I remember that one of the first times I read this passage, my reaction was like, wow, such faith. But then I thought, this doesn't make sense. It just seems like Jesus shows up, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. They don't know Jesus, but he says, follow me. So they drop their nets and off they go with Jesus. This just seems crazy. It seems irresponsible. And the poor father Zebedee just gets left standing in the boat. No long explanation. Just we're out of here. And Zebedee, good luck with the fishing business. Is this the kind of trust and obedience that we're supposed to have? Well, as it turns out, Matthew 4 does not give the full story. So it is confusing, at least to those of us that don't have all of the Bible memorized. You see, the disciples had already heard about Jesus. They knew John the Baptist, and that John the Baptist uh, vouched for Jesus being the Son uh, Son of God when he was baptized. And they may have already heard Jesus speaking in some of the synagogues where he was teaching. But the thing that really made the difference for the disciples, 
the thing that helped them to trust and to obey Jesus was that they took the necessary time to listen and to learn about Jesus as he cared and served the poor, as he talked to those who were outcasts, as he washed their dirty feet. You see, the disciples had experiences where they learned that it was safe to put their hope and their trust into Jesus. And we see this play out with Peter uh, when he took Jesus fishing in Luke 5. And you probably know this story. This is a story where Peter didn't really want to take Jesus fishing. But Jesus asked, so he reluctantly obeyed. And you know the result. It was incredible. And we've all heard of fishing stories. You know, how big was that fish? And it gets bigger, and it gets bigger, and it gets bigger. Well, for Peter, this catch was the catch of a lifetime. As Peter describes it, the nets were absolutely full. They began to break. Peter had to signal for his partners, and even with two ships, the harvest was so large that the boats began to sink. Do you think Peter would ever forget this experience? Of course not. You see, over time, over three years, Peter and the disciples took risks by trusting and obeying Jesus more and more. And because of that, they experienced the blessing of trusting Jesus and they saw God's faithfulness. It takes time to build trust in Jesus so that you want to obey him and to do what he says. It is a process, but this is a key part of living our life with God. But here's the question for today. Have you ever uttered these words? If God would just tell me what to do, I would do it. I would. But I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I believe that God does want to speak to us, to encourage us, to love on us, to correct us, and at times to tell us what to do. But for this to happen, we must be listening and looking for God. I was talking with Dan. Where are you, Dan? I was talking to Dan uh, at Mark and Stacy's wedding, which, let's just pause for a second. That was the coolest Sunday ever. Who was here at that wedding? It was so fun. Yeah. A highlight for Spark. And as I was talking to Dan, he, to- he told me that he prays every morning that God will help him open his ears and open his eyes so that he can see where God wants him and to know what God wants him to do. And then he, pray, he said he also prays that God will give him more space in his life so that he could be more aware of what is happening around him and how he should respond accordingly. That, my friends, is a great prayer. That is a great example of someone, someone wanting to hear from God, someone expecting to hear from God, and someone who wants to do what God asks of him. There are many ways that God can communicate with us. And because we're all so different, God may speak to us in different ways. But I do believe there are three ways that God regularly communicates with us where he wants you to hear him, to sense him, to trust him, and to obey him. And so I'm going to discuss these three ways he might speak with you. And then I'm going to weave in a few stories with some help from some of our friends here in Spark. Okay, here's the first way. It's not a shocker. It's not a hidden message where I went into the original Greek and I was able to pull it out. But here it is. God will lead us through his word. We know this. 
We talk a lot about this at Spark. For many of us, we certainly have spent time thinking about this in Garden to Garden. We know that there is an authority to God's word. Psalms 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. See, here's the point. God's word, his scripture can and will illuminate what God wants you to know and what he wants you to do. But to hear from God and to know what God wants you to do, you need to be reading his scripture and listening for his still, small voice as he speaks into our minds and originates thoughts there. Let me show you what this means. And rather, rather than me tell it, I'm going to ask Lucia if she could come up and give us an example of how God spoke to her when she was reading scripture. So my name is Lucia, Lucia and um, Skinner. And thank you, Tom. Tom asked me to share uh, a moment where the Lord spoke to me uh, through his word. So I uh, have to just give you a little background. I come from uh, Guatemala. It's a small country in Central America that is in turmoil. Uh, socially, politically, it's, it's, it's serious. And actually, just uh, as a note, today we have a very serious crisis. Uh, today, Sunday, something happened in there that we don't know if it's going to be a coup d'etat. We don't know if it's going to be a, what's going to happen. So if you remember, please pray for peace. So... Um, I was having these conversations with a group of people that I love, really loved from Guatemala, and people that love the Lord. But for generations in my, fam- my family, <laughs> for generations in my family, have, we have had two very extreme political views, one extreme left and one extreme right. I have been trying as much as I can to be a little more conciliatory. So we have been having these uh, um, um, conversations about justice. And, of course, the word social justice has to come. And the, I was getting nowhere. There were some moments where minds are completely closed and I was getting nowhere. So I became very frustrated because I know that according to Isaiah, um, the practice of justice brings peace. So I understood that that word... It was not going to work, to work, even if it wasn't the Bible. And I just gave in for, gave up, at least, at least for a week. I don't want to touch this. A few days after, I was praying. I was in my, in my personal conversation with the Lord, and I was uh, reading the Beatitudes. And I remember that the Beatitude that says, Bless are those that are hungry and thirst for righteousness. Um, because they will be filled. And I remember that in Spanish, the beatitude, that beatitude is um, blessed are those who thirst and who hungry, hunger and thirst for justice. And, and you know, it's like, I was not praying for that. I was not asking the Lord for a way out. Actually, at that moment was for me. Lord, talk to me. Lord, let me learn about your word and your word about you. And, and suddenly that, that, combination came and I remember that in many cases the word righteousness for many Christians means self-righteousness as well as the word justice when you hear in Spanish and and, 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 and this political 
ugly situation means my judgment of what is good and what is bad. So I just pray a little more about that two days after. The Lord brought it to my attention again, and I was in these conversations, and I told them, I want to share something with you. So I share the Beatitude in both languages with them. They are bilingual, and it helps us to really understand what is what the Lord wants about righteousness and about justice that is much more higher than self-righteousness and the justice of our judgment that that type of just, justice, that type of righteousness, that it means I'm going to be righteous before God, before myself, and before others, that also bring justice and also is very compatible with mercy. Since that point on, the conversation has been more fluid. Really, eyes are open, hearts are much more open. I don't know about tonight, because today is, is, is a crisis, but... Um, the Lord absolutely showed me through his word, the words that I needed to use to, to have some loving and love, loved people understand what is what he wants. So that's it. Thank you. Hey, let's thank Lucia. <clears throat> so here's a good example. Someone reading their Bible and God put something in her mind and wanted her to do something about it. And so the, really, the, the, those words were illuminated in her heart, and she went and talked to friends. And who knows what ultimately comes? We're just supposed to listen, trust, and then obey. Now we're going to move on to the next way that God speaks to you, the way that God can lead us. We know that God can lead us through his word, but now he can also lead us through other people. That's right. God speaks through his people. God can empower us as agents to carry his message. And just as God uses his still, small voice to reach us directly, he uses that same voice to reach us indirectly. That is by speaking into the minds of others, directing a few of their thoughts, and then allowing them to use their spoken or written words to take his message the rest of the way to us. It may be that one of us, one in need of hearing from God, isn't used to hearing from, from him or doesn't recognize his voice or just isn't listening, or doesn't want to listen. Whatever the reason, it's clear that God uses people who are listening and do want to hear to reach others who need to hear. We see this play out with Ananias and Saul. We see this with Cornelius and Peter. And we see this here at Spark as we listen to Kevin and Danielle give their sermons where they're preaching on something and there's just something in the words, what they say, that just jumps out at us. It's like God had them say those words just for us. Has this happened to you? And here's the beautiful truth. When you come to Christ, when you trust him, you not only get a new relationship with people, with, with Jesus, but you also get a new relationship with, with people, and we call that the church. In Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, it says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. You see, there will come times in your life, moments in your life, where you will need people to share with you their wisdom, their experience, and dare I say it, maybe to respectfully confront you. Do you have people like that in your life? 
People who uh, help you make some of your biggest decisions, like getting married, like changing jobs, like how to raise your children. Do you have someone where you've given him or her permission to speak into your life, where you have a blind spot, and you've asked someone to help you with that blind spot? That's big, and I know that this can feel like a huge risk, but this is how we are to live the life. Do you want this? This is what the church is meant to be. We have all kinds of groups here at Spark where this happens, where trust has been built up, and where real and vulnerable conversations happen, where we speak openly with each other in small groups, in book clubs, in discussion groups. And we just finished, what was it, an eight-week discussion on race, and a situation where we came together and quickly we, we built love and trust between us. It was a safe place so people were open and candid. And we all grew both as people but also as followers of Jesus. It was a powerful conversation. I have to say, if you want to be a part of these candid and life-giving conversations, you should join us. You should join a discussion group. You should join the book club that starts tomorrow night. But the question for today is, will you listen when God is using others to speak into your life? So let me show you what this means. Listen to how this second point works and how God leads us through others. So about 10 years ago, I lost my job. And if you've ever lost your job, it is crushing. It is, you know, you lose your ego and you lose your, you know, your finances, which are important because we have bills to pay. And so I went to God and prayed for peace. And I prayed for my daily bread because in a modern context, our daily bread is a job. We have to have a job to eat. That weekend, I went on a, uh, a retreat, and uh, I met this guy named Eric. And I should say at the outset, Eric quickly becomes for me someone that speaks to I rep- He represents God to me. He speaks to me for God. And as I was talking to him, it turns out he didn't have a job either, and he was looking for a job. And he said to me, hey, Tom, I think you would be better at the job than I would. In fact, I know someone there, so I'm going to call them up and tell them about you so that you can come in. Who does this kind of thing? People don't act that way. So sure enough, I called them up. They knew I was calling. They brought me in. I went in for the interview. The morning's interview seemed to go really well. Then there was a break, and I was in a conference room. And guess who walks in the room? It's Eric. Eric walking in there. He's interviewing the same day I'm interviewing. Feels a little awkward. But then i like, no, no, no. This, I, he reminds me of God, that he's, his presence is with me. So the afternoon, I continued to do my interviews. I mean, I was clear, articulate. I thought I was doing okay. Left, I decided I better call Eric up because that was a little bit awkward. I call him up. We're talking for a little bit. As I'm talking, my phone rings. And on the caller ID, it's the company that I was just interviewing at. And so I go, Eric, I got to go, pal. And so I hang up with him. I talk, and the company offered me a job over the phone. Here's the thing. I believe God was working through Eric. I think God knows I'm a little bit of a numbskull. I believe that you know, I can just forget what just occurred. But I think God was trying to be very clear to me that God, he was with me. Eric was the one that told me about the job. He was with me. You know, Eric was there while I was interviewing. And I was on the phone with Eric when the call was made. God was trying to tell me through Eric that I will take care of you in the little things. 
but I'm going to take care of you in the big things too, like a job, so you can trust me and you can obey me. God leads you through his word. God leads you through other people. And the third way is that God may lead you through something that is very personal, sometimes the most powerful way. Here it is. God can lead you through the nudging of the Holy Spirit where God may show up maybe even in unusual circumstances. And Marilyn is going to come up and tell us a story of how the Holy Spirit spoke to her in Florida, no less, and how she responded. All right. So, um, hi, I'm Marilyn Addy. This is actually really... um, nerve-wracking for me to tell this story because I've only told this story a couple of times um, because I, I know myself and if I heard the story from somebody I'd probably be like uh-huh sure um, so yeah um, and then Tom asked us you know how we heard from God and um, you know I was like oh this is a safe space I'm just gonna tell the story and then he asked me to share so <laughs> and I and talking to Neokai um you know I really just want to follow the spirit um so uh, I am originally from Florida. This story actually um, takes place in Texas. Oh. Um, it's okay. <laughs> but I moved um, here for school in 2011 and, and left in 2013. I loved being here for school, but I was like, I've had enough of California. I'm out. It's too expensive here. Um, and I had a really awesome job opportunity in Texas. And so I went to Texas, didn't really know many people, um, and I was really, like, craving community um, and craving, uh, you know, just like-minded people. So I, the story is essentially one night I went to a church service, um, a young adult gathering, and I was so excited to get to know people because they were going to have food afterwards. And then something fell through and there was no food and I'm hungry and miserable. And I'm like, I didn't meet anybody. And then, so I left and really kind of frustrated. And I talked, I called my mom on the phone. I'm like, I'm just going to go home. I was like, but you know what? The night's young. Maybe I'll go out. Um, and there's this new taco place by my house. I'll just, you know, I'll go. And she was like, yeah, go. So um, I w- promise you I would not believe this story was true unless my mom, if, if it weren't for the fact that my mom was on the phone with me throughout the whole thing. Um, so I went to this taco stand, ordered my taco, um, and this, this young woman, African-American woman, comes up to me, and she's like, you have beautiful hair. And I was like, Thanks. Okay. Um, and she was like, are you here by yourself? And I was like, uh, yes. And she was like, you're by yourself. Really? Okay. I can't, you just don't seem like somebody who'd be here by yourself. And then I was like, is she hitting on me? I don't like, I was just so confused. Like there was no context. She just came up to me. So I was like, yeah, I'm by myself. And she's like, would you like to hang out with me and my friends? And I'm like, okay, uh, sounds cool. I have no plans. So already I'm like, okay, God, I see you looking out. Like now I have dinner companions, you know? Um, that was only the beginning. <laughs> um, so she, she takes me to her friends. Um, there's a table of about eight people. And, you know, there was no chairs left. And she's like, they're like scrambling. They don't know who I am. They're scrambling to make sure I have a place to sit. And I sit and I'm just talking and getting to know them. And they're asking me all these questions. And then I'm like, take a step back. Who are you guys? Like, who are you all? And why are you all here? And they said, oh, we're from a church called the Upper Room. And it's a Pentecostal church. And I was like, oh, cool. And they were telling me about their young adult ministry. Um, So we're just talking. And this guy who is, I know exactly where he was sitting. He was sitting at the head of the table. I'm two chairs in. He just interrupts the conversation. And he says, 
why are you here? And he's looking dead at me, and I'm like, uh, because somebody invited me to the table. And he's like, no, 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 why are you here in Texas? And I say, oh, because, you know, I just finished school. I got this awesome job. You know, I'm transitioning. It's cool. And he was like, you're not supposed to be here. And I was like, first of all, you don't know me, but okay. (laughs) All right. And so the rest of the table is just quiet. And I'm looking at them like, and they're just like, um, and so even the girl who introduced me to the group, she's like, I don't know what's going on. So he's just like, you're not supposed to be here. And I was like, okay. And he was like, don't you believe that God wants you to be married and happily married with kids? And I was like, sure. Don't we all, you know, why not? You know? And he was like, no. And like, I, he could tell I was like joking it off. And he's like, no, I'm serious. Like, don't you believe God wants you to be happily married with kids? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, then you should be in California. And I'm like, again, you don't know me. <laughs> like, you don't um, know. Okay. But I was like, sure. Like, I was like, why do you think that? And he was just like, in two weeks, you'll have an opportunity to go back to California and you should go. And I'm like, okay. And so again, I'm looking at his friends. They're like, okay, we don't know. And we just start talking about something else. And I left and I called my mom and I was like, the craziest thing happened. This guy said I need to be in California. She was like, Pentecostals, don't listen to that. <laughs> Cause we grew up in Southern Baptist tradition. So she's like, okay. And she's like, don't take too much stock in it. Um, and so three weeks later, um, my mentor at um, my company said, we need you to go back to California to go on a recruiting trip. So already my head swirling. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is happening? Um, and, and long story short, <laughs> I go, <laughs> I sign up to go. Um, I did have a choice. I did sign up to go to, to recruit. And I'm not going to lie, in the back of my head, this was a recruiting trip. So I'm like, hmm, going to meet some honey. And they're going to ask me out. And, you know, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> and so um, I went in kind of like, kind of jokingly, like, oh, this is such a coincidence. Um, not really thinking that I had actually just reached out as soon as I found out I'd be going back to California to this group of people that I just met before I left California. Um, most people I just met for like one or two times. We had like little potlucks and nobody responded to my, res- to my invitation to lunch. They all just ignored me except for one person, Neokai. And so, you know, I go back and, you know, nobody responded but him. He's like, I'll go to lunch with you. I was like, all right. So we had to go to lunch. We have a good time. The next day, I'm still recruiting all these people and meeting all these new people and just thinking, oh, something could happen. And not paying attention to the fact that we had this awesome lunch. Um, and then we hang out again the next day. And then, um, long story short, he calls, he says, I'm going to call you when you get home to Texas. And now I'm like, Oh, wait, God, that wasn't what I was planning. <laughs> What's going on? So I call my mom again. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this guy is like, he, he said he's going to call me. What do I do? And, and I'm not. And she actually said she was just like, look, you have nothing to lose. Like, just get to know him. Um, and that was the beginning of our long distance relationship and now marriage. Um, and it just was one of those things where. I have no idea who this person was. Um, and to me, and I, it actually doesn't matter who this guy was. Um, I think it's, it just kind of is one of those things where I still don't really understand why God chose to speak to me in that way. Um, but if he hadn't, I do believe that I was stubborn enough that I would not have 
number one, like really opened my eyes to the incredible man of God that was right in front of me. Number two, I don't think I would have responded when Neo Kai asked me to come back to California and dangled my wedding ring in front of me. Like, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I just really feel like I am just so thankful that God saw fit to kind of do the craziest thing in my life. And that was really something that I never, growing up Southern Baptist, never really believed that God would speak to you in those ways, just because I really was kind of like, you, you hear from the word or, you know, from a good sermon. Um, but, but I'm sharing this just because I'm thankful for that experience. And I think it opened my eyes to the fact that um, it doesn't always have to look the way you think it would look. And yeah. He told you you would be married and have a family. Yes. Oh yeah, that part. I wasn't putting, <laughs> I didn't know that was going to happen either, but uh, <laughs> he's right, I guess. <laughs> and Mara, in this story, while you think it's out there, just read our Bible and you read stories that are quite amazing. See, when you ask Jesus to come into your life, you get a spirit. And you need to learn how to sense God in your daily moments. You see, as a follower of Jesus, God will lead you through closed doors. God will lead you through conversations. God will lead you through internal nudges. And let me show you how this third point, the way that God can lead you through the nudging of the Holy Spirit, worked in Scripture And this gets us back to Acts. Yes, we finally got back to Acts. And it's the story in Acts 16 where Paul was on what we call his second missionary journey. And it's a huge trip, and he's going all around Asia Minor, which would be in and around the country of Turkey. And he's visiting churches that he's planted, and he loves these people. He wants to be with these people. And at first, he wants to go west to a place, you know, somewhere by Ephesus. But God shuts the door. And I don't know what that looks like, but in Acts 16, it basically says that the Spirit of God says no. And then Paul thinks, maybe I'm supposed to go north up to the Black Sea. But again, the Spirit said no. I have no idea what that looks like. I don't know if it was an audible voice. I don't know if it was a gut check. I don't know if it was Paul's buddy saying, I don't think we're supposed to go. All I know is that they were listening to God, they were trusting him, and they were obeying him. And now they find themselves on the west coast by the Aegean Sea in a place called Troas. And Paul thinks he's just going to stay there, but Paul has a vision. And yes, that sounds strange, but let's remember that Paul changed his view about Jesus in Acts 9 when he was blinded by a flash of light. So he takes this vision seriously. And I'm not sure what the vision was. It was probably a dream. But Paul has this vision. We call it the Macedonian vision, the Macedonian call. And we read about it in Acts 16, verses 9 to 10. And here's what it says. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there, pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Has that ever happened in your life where God puts a barricade here, he puts a barricade there, and then you realize what God is doing, that he's leading you up to this moment. And so here in our story, Paul hears from God in a vision, and he obeys. He goes into Macedonia, which is in northern central Greece, and the first place he goes to is Philippi, a chief city in Macedonia. And there he meets a woman, 
Uh, she's apparently single. She's a wealthy business lady, and she comes to Christ. So this is huge. She is the first European convert, and now the Jesus movement spreads across Europe. Paul plants churches in places like Philippi, Thessalonica, and Corinth. And yes, those are funny-sounding Macedonian names, but they represent five books in the New Testament. But here's the thing. Paul listened to God, and because he trusted God, he obeyed. Paul changed his course. He, He took a step and moved forward toward Macedonia, believing that he was supposed to go there. And what was the result? The world was changed. Now, how does that look for you? Well, I think both you and I would say, I am not Paul, and I am not going to change the world. But get this, we are not called to change the, change the world. We are called to listen to God, to trust Him, and to obey Him. The power is in God, not us. We just go along for the ride, and we never know what the outset's going to turn out, how God might use us. Let me tell you something about our church. As a church, we felt that God wanted us to go and help some refugees in Modesto. And so many of you, moved by God, sent pillows and alarm clocks and pots of pans to be used for refugees that were being resettled in Modesto. Did we change the world? Well, from our perspective, we did do something. But from our economic perspective, we probably think we didn't do much. But get this. I imagine this is not the reaction that those refugees in Modesto experienced when they received these bedsheets and these pots and pans and these alarm clocks. No, I imagine that they were thrilled. I imagine that they were astonished by the love and care that they received from, received from people that don't even know them. I imagine that they were relieved because they don't have the money to buy these things. For them, your gifts may have, in fact, been a miracle. For them, this may have changed the world. And it only happened because we heard from God, we trusted Him, and then we obeyed. Think about Paul's life. Think about all he witnessed, all he experienced, all he saw, all he did. The influence, the impact, the significance of his life as he trusted God and obeyed. What if Paul had not listened and responded to the vision that he received? What if he had stayed in Troas? What if? Friends, are you ready for an adventure with God? If you are, then you need to listen for God's still, small voice. Trust him and obey. For some of you, you may be hearing from God. You know it, but you haven't done anything about it. My encouragement to you is that it takes time to build trust. It did for the disciples. It did for many of us in this room, and it still does. But when you are ready, when you step forward with trust, God will be there. For some of you, you want to hear from God, but you're having a hard time hearing. So here's a suggestion. It will take some effort, but it will be worth it. Try Dan's morning prayer every day for the next 30 days, for the next month. Pray that God will open your ears and open your eyes so that you can see where God wants you and what God wants you to do. Pray that God will give you more space in your life so you can be more aware of what is happening around you and how you should respond. 
Friends, when it comes to God, we can trust him and obey him because he is good. We know this from how he has shown up in our lives and answered our prayers. We know this from hearing stories about God from our friends right here in Spark. And we know this by reading, the, reading our Bible, which tells us about the infinite good of God. And so let us leave here today trusting and obeying God because of the ways he shows up and because of what he has done for us. A God who forgives our sins. A God who heals our diseases. A God who redeems our lives from destruction. A God who crowns us, crowns us with love and compassion. And a God who satisfies the desires of our hearts with good things. Amen. Amen.